0: You're never going to go all in unless you burn the freaking net on whatever job you have right now and dive all in to what you want to do and what you know you're going to love. Dude, it's great to have you on All In with Rick Jordan. Dan, how do you pronounce your Is it Rashan? Roshan, yep. Roshan. Hey, that's awesome, dude. I'm I'm pumped to talk to you today. I'm yeah, excited. I'm sure you get a lot of the thanks for being on first off, and and second, I I'm sure you're going to get a lot of the same questions that you might have had the past couple months. You know, because you know, different audiences. That's great, but I, I'm hoping to throw some new ones at you too. Let's do it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Because I uh, I was at my barber the other day, and he's a, he's a really really good barber. He worked in the city in Chicago at a at a prestigious barbershop that was there. And then he just moved out to the suburbs, you know, like settled down, had a kid, got a wife, you know, I don't know what order, if that was the order or not, but but whatever, you know, had a kid, had a wife settled down. Right. For for sure. But he's telling me, he's like, yeah, man. I mean, I even like video my, uh, my cuts with him for social content. Okay. And I get into, he's a, he's an amazing black dude. Obviously I'm a white dude and we have just the best conversations, man. And it's cool because there's no weird racial divide and we're just very yeah. open to lots of different sides of perspectives. And he starts telling me, he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm studying for real estate right now. He's like, and it's, it's different, you know, because he's looking at residential sales, yeah. you know, which most do when they figure I'm going to get into real estate. I'm sure you hear that. You know, not many people think commercial or big money. They think I'm going to go sell a small family home, a single family home you know, to some people. And try to make some, bu- some bank off of that. So he, I know I'm talking a lot here, dude, but bear, bear with me. He goes up. He's like, yeah, it's like different, man. It's like they're teaching me how to sell this stuff. And uh, it's really, it's an interesting perspective because it's like I'm more facilitating than anything else. I'm like, dude, that's BS. <laughs> like, why would you do that? I'm like, think of how long uh, the, the contract goes for, you know, from the time you get, you execute the contract or even before then, how many homes you have to show to the time the, the deal actually closes, you know, it closes escrow. And I'm like, why can't you shorten that up? Why can't you just take a 15-minute discovery call and run through like a checklist of things, like how many kids do you have, how many bedrooms do you want, what's your budget, all this other stuff? You're doing you know, a better job
1: by doing that, by setting, the, uh, getting to understand what they're doing and setting the expectations for sure. Dude,
0: right on. Because I, I remember the last home that the home we're in right now we built, right okay. to, to our specs. It's great, but prior to that, all the previously built homes that I've gone into going through that process was freaking grueling for me because the agent would always just like pick out homes based on, I don't even know, you know, maybe they were, they were smoking something that day. And you always know that if you're going to see 10 homes, it's like at least five of them, you're walking and being like, what were you thinking, dude?
1: <laughs> we have a policy. We have a policy, Rick. Anytime that we're smoking, we, we share it with the clients. So, you know, it's a you know? Bingo. <laughs>
0: Man, that's going to make the experience so much better. At least you're both starting on the same plan. Yeah, we're, we're equal playing field. <laughs> right on. But I'm, tell, I'm like, dude, why, why can't you show? I'm like, that's your whole thing. So if you can turn more sales, if you can turn more contracts, close more homes, that means that you're making more money. So why would you not try to shorten that part of the sales cycle that seems like it could possibly take the longest? And you can even weed out people that are just sort of like kicking the tires. You know, yeah. just drive right into those that are ready to make a move right now. now I don't know. I'm not in the industry, but I, I sell. It sounded like like something logical. You tell me, man. <laughs>
1: How does that well, sound? I mean, it's absolutely right. You want, to, you want to, you know, understand what they want, understand what they need, understand what they're able to do. And the deeper that you can go in regards to the consultation, I mean, it's different when you go and you meet a, a single guy. And that yeah. single guy says, I want a three bedroom, two bath. Okay, great. Well, that's important. And that's yep. what the average agent would do. Yeah. You find out through actually asking, you know, adept questions and being in rapport, you find out he just got divorced from his wife, his ex-wife. Yeah. And now you're like, okay, that's a deeper level. And then you find out, Well, he wants to not lose his kids because he wants to be within a a relative proximity to them. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so then you find out that ultimately it's about him being a good dad. Right on. And if you actually dig deep on that in the conversation, now you understand really what's in it, uh, you know, what their values are and and what the motivation is. That's a lot different than saying I want a three-bedroom, two-bath.
0: Right on, brother. And my thought process when you're talking about that is that's more of like maybe a 30 minute or 45 minute conversation, course, like a yes. discovery call, right? Yeah. I, uh, I'm even thinking like that might be like the second call. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe we're developing a whole new product. I'm sure, dude, you're super, super successful, and we'll sure. get into that here in a bit. You know, but when I was just like a, a newbie coming into this conversation with my barber, I'm thinking, what about like a 15 minute gig, you know, to where you could just qualify them to see if you want to work with them? You know, it's not that it's the more, just, you
1: understand the better.
0: For oh sure. my gosh. Yeah. It's not this, just them trying to find an agent. You know, it's also, it's this dating process is a two way street, man. You know, you want to find out if this is somebody that's within your target prospect to actually sell them a home and try to turn it quick. And I'm sure it matters, you know, and you're obviously like a full-time, you probably get into commercial too, right?
1: We, uh, we do some mostly yeah. residential, very little bit of commercial. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: See, I told you I was hoping to have some more, some different questions for you today. We're actually literally talking about the sales process. Yeah, no right <laughs> so what, what is that? I mean, what, compare, what, what I was saying, you know, and how I envision it, you know, cause you have a lot of agents that work for you, right. Yeah. In order to do the volume that you do, yeah. what, what does your sales process look like? How do you take them from the beginning and say, Hey, this is how we start off the relationship so that we're on a good foundation with our prospect from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's all about asking questions. You know, it, it's about asking questions and setting expectations. Because when, see, the, the reality of it is, I mean, we're selling several homes every single week. Yeah. And in, throughout my career, I don't know, you know, a lot. <laughs> okay, thousands plus of homes. And so, we, you know, you have to understand the average seller or the average buyer, they're, they're going through the process three to seven or eight times in their yeah, life.
2: Yeah, max.
1: So there could be like a seven year since they last, you know, went through this. And reality of it is seven years ago, the process was different than it is today. Today, there's technology, there's artificial intelligence, big data. Right on. And, you know, and, and all these things are impacting the sales environment today that are relevant. And so the first thing is, it's just really about slowing down, asking a dev questions, and then really listening. And, and understanding what questions do, should I ask, right? So what questions are going to allow for me to really understand? Yeah. And the deeper that we do go, then the, the more um, effective that I can be, uh, the more empathetic. Nobody ever contacts That's me great. that doesn't have some sort of life um, emotional journey that they're going through at that moment. They're yeah. either getting married, they're getting divorced, they're having a kid the children are going to college, they're re- relocating uh, for, uh, you know, upside, downsize, yeah, whatever it yeah. may be. There's always something that's stressing. Me. So if you can sit there and have that initial conversation where you're really getting to the, to the meat of that as quickly as possible, then setting the expectations of, Rick, this is what's going to happen next. Here's what's going to happen through the entire process. Yeah. And even and here's the things that may happen. Because, there's you know, there's many different ways that, that something – it's, it's real estate and it's people, right? So there's there's no guarantee that it's going to be A to Z. It could be A, Z, B, and sort of all over the place. You're still going to get to the end. Um, yet, if I can set your expectations of what's going to happen in the future and what could happen, even if something bad happens, you're not overly concerned about it because I've already shared with you, hey, this is a possibility.
2: Yeah, for sure. So now
1: you're you're more like, okay, I'm in good hands because this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's gonna handle it for me rather than stressed because I never even share with you that's possible that three days before closing the underwriter is gonna ask you for all kinds of nonsense documents and it could delay closing possibly. Right?
0: That's, but the same thing happens, you know, it's just the perspective of you as a client. Dude, that's a beautiful perspective too, man. And I, lo- I love how you approach that right from the beginning. Because it, Even in IT and cybersecurity, like one of my companies that I have, I've always said we're not in the business of managing computers. We're in the business of managing expectations. Yeah. Yeah, and that's setting that foundation to try to throw at them almost everything, just to bring them up to speed on everything that could possibly happen so that they know what the potential outcomes could be to everything that, that might come down the road. And that's the best way that you can, cause that's being, dude, if you're not doing that, you're like a used car salesman, right? And I think that the second it's, I commend you dude because it's like the almost the second worst type of salesperson from a perspective point of view is like real estate outside of you car salesman right because you always think that somebody's out to get you and there's the slimy ones that are out there i mean why would they show you homes that you would never like you know if if that's the case of course there's going to be some swings and misses here and there there's never going to be a perfect agent you know but if they're running like hey eight out of the ten homes that i showed you were like right in your wheelhouse you know whatever it is i think that would be a win Personally, it's, you
1: know, it's not necessarily slimy in my experience. It's more uh, lack of knowledge.
0: And oh, interesting. Knowledge. Can you unpack that for me a bit? Tell me, tell me what you mean by lack of knowledge, because uh, that, uh, I
1: think it's, it's, you know, when I think of slimy and they, of course, there's slimy people in every business, right? Yeah. When I think of slimy, I think of intent and it, it, regardless, the outcome's the same, right? Yeah. So if I, if I, if I don't competently guide somebody through the process, then that's just a lack of knowledge or a lack of experience. Yep. I intend to take advantage of somebody, and I should stop using myself as an example with this. If sliming agent over there took advantage of somebody, then um, you know that's more of an intentional type thing. Yeah. So either way, it's just from a place of not treating it like the profession that it is, which is a double-edged sword, right? Because you go back into comparing what I do to used car salesmen, and I'm sure there's great used car salesmen out there. Yeah. Double-edged store because as a professional real estate agent, I can easily outshine the comp- my
0: competition. Yeah, dude, right on. Yeah, yep. there's already
1: a preconceived notion that I, have to, uh, that I have to get past as well.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I shouldn't even say used car salesman because this is any car salesman, but that's, <laughs> a, that, that's just like the, the American dream, right? And these are a, a home and a vehicle are for most Americans are the two biggest purchases they're ever going to make.
1: For mouse, yeah, yeah, there's, absolutely.
0: there's a lot of emotion that gets wrapped up into that purchase as well. I mean, a home, it's a place, you know, you might uh, most, especially when it's like single families, man, I don't think anybody moves into a home. Well, some small percentage, most would move into a home thinking that, well, this could be my forever home. You know, it's always that possibility, you know, unless they they know that they're in a profession, they're moving every year, then it's a different type of sale for you to begin with. You know, it's almost such like a transient family kind of thing. I could, I could think,
1: Yeah, not only that, if you think about it and you look at the emotional aspect of it. So I I teach real estate agents as part of, you know, some of the things I've talked to hundreds of agents to be able to get their license. And when I'm teaching, I always ask the question, who here has sold before? And, you know, a handful of of hands go up and it's always, I'm always looking for what's the the largest dollar amount of what they've sold. And it's going to be jewelry, it's going to be number two, and cars are going to be number one. Okay. In regards to like a, you know, a 15, 30, 45, you know, $50,000 product of a car. And then I say, well, what is like when somebody comes and they're buying a $45,000 car from you, how emotional is that for the, for the consumer? And they're like, "It's, it's very emotional. Okay. Now multiply that by 10 to 15, <laughs> 450,000 to 650,000, whatever the number is, right? Yeah. That's how much the emotion is amplified as well. Wow. If you could
0: consider it from that perspective. Oh my gosh, man. I, ne- I never even looked at it from that perspective. I mean, I always knew that those are the two biggest sales, you know, for most yeah. Americans, but still that's, that's intense, dude. And I, I can <laughs> I, mean, I I don't envy where you're at. You know, I mean, for me, I look at the most of the sales that I do day in and day out when it comes to cybersecurity. And, you know, I I don't take the approach of fear. I don't try to sell the nightmare like most would. You know, I try to sell based upon outcomes. and and actions, you know, which I think that actually can transcend almost any industry when you're just selling based upon an outcome. You know, if that's what you're selling is this is what it looks like, I can see that would probably be the same thing for you. And that could be a way to control the emotional side too, because uh, a salesperson, I I mean, I've heard before, you know, the definition of sales is almost literally like the transference of trust, right?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: And then when you're doing that, it's almost like, you know, from that point on, it's like bumper bowling because (laughs) you got the the bumpers up, but you're the one that's trying to keep the freaking thing on the lane so that you can knock down the pins. You know, if those 10 pins are 10 different representations of expectations that your prospect or client has about what you're going to do for them, you want to try to knock down as many as possible every single chance you have in conversation.
1: Yeah, it's also about understanding that the same consumer, the same client, as they go through the process, there is an expected emotional journey, not only like yeah. holistically, also from a linear fashion of what they're going to expect before they write the offer.
2: Yeah. They're going to have yeah. an
1: excitement. What's going to happen after they write the right offer? They're going to be scared. Yeah, They're going to have second questions, doubts. Did I yeah. do the right thing? Yeah. What's going to happen when they come to the closing table? I call that the knocking the knees. When I bought my first home years and years ago, I remember knocking my knees underneath that closing table and the top half of my torso, you know, being all calm and cool, right? You know, yeah, like, man. hey, I'm yeah. not going to show it. But well, my yeah. knees were
2: banging across <laughs> each other. Right?
1: You know, And so it's understanding what the process is going to be yeah. before you get there so that you can manage the expectations from that perspective. Like, so say, hey, Rick. When we go to closing tomorrow, you're probably going to be scared. Yeah, it's okay. That's perfectly natural. And you know, I want to, you know, I want to give you permission basically to be scared, because yeah. if I have that conversation with you on a Tuesday and we're closing on a Wednesday, you know, it's not going to impact or get in your way of buying that home.
2: Yeah, right on. If I don't
1: have the conversation, yeah, right, you're, you know, you're going to be looking at me like, dude, what? What did you, what, you know, that may not be a good experience in our relationship. For sure. You know, and so it's just really understanding what the emotional journey is going to be, getting in front of it in the front end, addressing it so that you can, you know, be comfortable and confident going through the entire process as a, as a buyer. or. Something. That's
0: beautiful, man. And I, I like how you're talking the knocking the knees because where I came from, you know, right when my wife and I were married, we actually purchased our first condo. You know, I wasn't, there wasn't a renting period or anything. And at that point, I just didn't know what to expect. And I wasn't, I wasn't really nervous because I had never been through the process before. You know, I mean, I just, to me, it was almost pretty much smooth sailing. I mean, I just shop my loan at one bank that's it got the approval I'm like well I guess this is it this is what I can spend you know <laughs> and I go out looking and the closing was just super simple you know it was pretty great but then a few years later you know that's when I was laid off and my credit score tanked because I couldn't pay my mortgage for 90 days and you know I was in the 400s at one point and had to rebuild back into the 800 club where I am now you know and now to come full circle it's like I just bought two this is what I did like during lockdown man it's bad for me to be home during during a lockdown and on the weekends, because I buy clothes and I buy Disney timeshares. Okay. <laughs> that's the two things that I hey, As long as you're not buying
1: Disney clothes, you're doing okay.
0: Yeah, there we go. <laughs> when you show up with your mouse ears, man, you're done. Oh, I know. But now, I mean, that's still, it's a real estate interest, even though it's fractional, it's still the yeah. same process. But it, things have changed so much, too. Now everything was just DocuSign. All I had to do was wire funds, you know, and it was just done. You know, I just, uh, did everything i got actually it just came through today at lunch was the second one the closing saying that hey you're good to go there was no knocking of knees there was no literal closing table you know but i remember dude the first home because this home that we built this is uh the third after coming out of that tough financial period of my life. Okay. And those for that first one, especially dude, I mean, coming from a, a 400 credit score, you know, and then getting back up into the, the mid 600s and now to the 800s where I'm at now, that first one, I mean, thoughts were going through my head, dude, like, is the bank in a fund? While I'm sitting at the closing table, like, is it, because I had the, those experiences you're talking about three days before the underwriter asking some crazy questions, you know, then I give them back the documentation, you know, and then the, the, they're looking at income to debt ratios, you know, and, and everything else, even like three days before when they do the, the soft pull of the credit right before you're going to close to see if anything changed in the past two weeks, 30 days, whatever it is. So I'm sitting there and it's like, I signed and everything. And I remember being at the title company, man, and they're just sitting there waiting for the bank to fund. And that was like the most grueling, like, it was only 90 seconds, I swear, you know. <laughs> it was like the most grueling 90 seconds I've ever experienced in my life because I was coming out of that traumatic experience. It was an emotional scenario
1: for and me. And then at that point, I bet you felt two things at that point in this order, relief
0: and then pride. You got it, man. That's exactly okay. it. Dude, right? you are so right on. It first was like it's the relief after that to where I could take <sighs> – Deep path, right. <laughs> man. Exactly. And then right after that, it's like, awesome. Damn, I, I did out, it. Exactly. I came out of a point in my life to where it really sucked. I have a business that's making money now. And I was able to put my family into a, my growing family into a home that's going to sustain us for the next few years. It was fantastic, dude. But it's so emotional, man. That process is so emotional.
1: But think about this. And I'm not, you know, I'm sure you had a great agent at the time, right? But And yeah. if we had that conversation before... Say, hey, Rick, you're going to be scared tomorrow. Yeah. And I know that you're coming from this journey and you're going to have doubts and you're going to you're going to really be anxious and apprehensive. And when you sign that document, when those those funds clear, you're going to have some relief. And then.
0: You're gonna be proud as hell, dude. That's fantastic. Right? I wish I had that. <laughs> I wish I would have known you at that time, man. I mean, well, what the hell, man? I mean, yeah, we'll <laughs> get you. have like aligned our worlds before that, before yeah. now, whatever. <laughs> dude, I hope you're enjoying this conversation because I am, man. I'm I'm loving this, dude. And I, I, I hope it's something different for you than the usual. I I, I do want to ask some of the usual questions, just okay. to, like steamroll them. Is that cool? Oh, well, All right. Post COVID, how's the housing market doing? General, what's your perspective?
1: Uh, Right now, there's a shortage of inventory in my marketplace. And when we got into March of the year, there was about a 30% decline. I'm in a unique market. So, northern Virginia, where I'm located, first of all, the the economy here is the United States government. Yeah. So, if our economy goes out of business, the entire planet is screwed. Okay. That's the reality of it. Okay. And so, we have a really resilient economy. About a year and a half ago, a little bit more than that now, Amazon had announced they were going to be doing two headquarter twos, one in New York and one in DC or uh, Arlington right outside of DC. Uh, New York uh, and uh, Amazon didn't get along, so then they said, okay, we're just going to go just to Arlington. When that got announced, what happened was our, the amount of homeowners that were selling diminished pretty greatly. Yeah. And so the prices escalated. So it was like an over anticipation of Amazon's coming, Amazon's coming, Amazon's coming. And that was sort of flattening itself out as of March of this year when, guess what? You know, now we have a pandemic. Yeah. And so obviously that was not to be expected. It was going into what would ordinarily be the spring market. The reality of it is it really didn't impact buyers or sellers because it was a proportionate uh, a downturn. So meaning there was as many less sellers as there were buyers. Dude, that's
0: interesting, wow.
1: Coming into the uh, the beginning of the summer, what what's happened is there's been uh, more buyers than sellers. And so in, again, my local market it continues to increase in regards to value because now there's a disproportionate, um, you know, where uh, between the buyers and the sellers in the seller's favor. And so that's where we are today. And I would say that's oh. probably true in a lot of markets across the United States. But of course, you know it's all real estate's a local, so yeah, you know, yeah,
0: differences to that, especially yeah. residential for sure. You oh, know. yeah, right on. The different you can have the next town over completely go to crap on you, and yours is like just accelerating. Yeah, I've seen that before too, man.
1: Yeah, I look yeah. at rubber. I look at I look at real estate like a big rubber band. Yeah, and there could be things that are pulling it to the left. Call that negative, and things pulling it to the right. Call that positive. Yeah. And there, it's like sort of everything's pulling in different directions simultaneously. Yeah. You could have a downturn in the economy, yet at the same time you can have an infrastructure improvement that just completed.
2: Yeah, Where for sure.
1: Previously, the highways were all jammed up, and now you know it's it's easy uh, to to commute. You know, yep. so you can have that happen simultaneously. One is a benefit. One's a one's a negative. And yeah. How that's going to play out, you know, you you really
0: don't know until for you sure. Go and then every 15, 20 years, the rubber band just freaking snaps on you, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. Start over. <laughs> right <on>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are exciting times. I mean, you know, the, the biggest downturn, of course, everyone remembers is, you know, maybe 13 years ago at this point. And it, still, I mean, th- those things, man, they're always cyclical. You know, and every single time to me, if I look at, look at history, this is my perspective and my opinion. And it's not even just real estate, you know, it's a a lot of different markets. Of course, something different caused that. In 2006 and 2007 you know and things have been adjusted but whether it was you know predatory lending and all the weird uh, weird feds doing stuff at that point in time it doesn't really matter because the next thing I mean it's a pandemic now right there's always something that's gonna come and like send those reverberations through the markets and I had I, I was so privileged man to spend some time with George Ross a few years ago at Harvard And, you know, he, you know, George Ross, of course, he was Donald Trump's right hand man. He did like his biggest high rise deal and everything else. And it was interesting to, to hear him talk about how now president trump looks at these things you know and it's similar you know i guess to a lot of the billionaires out there is they just continuously ride all those waves and they position themselves to the point to where yes they sell off on occasion but still for most of them you know even with bitcoin and the volatility that's with bitcoin you know a lot will just say you know the true believers in this stuff will just continue to ride those waves sure you just know, buy
1: and hold because if 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 you're if you got 401k right now which you know many of your listeners probably do Yeah. I haven't looked at my 401k. I have no idea what it's doing. I know that every month I'm investing a certain amount of money into it.
2: Yeah, right on. Yep.
1: I'm not ready to retire. I got, you know, I mean, i got a few years left, right? You know?
2: Yep, for sure.
1: (laughs) And when you're looking at the, you know, like the cause of 2006 coming from, so the real estate market curved over December 2006 to January 2007. Yeah. Bottom out 2009. So that was the free fall. Yep. And you're looking at the cause of that as you mentioned was the predatory lending was the also the you know this uh, fog the mirror lending uh, procedures where yeah. you fog a mirror you get a loan you know it doesn't matter if you make it 15 bucks an hour here's a half a million dollars and there was a lot of irresponsible lending which caused that so what I'm hearing in the marketplace now is is a lot of people are com- are saying well we c- it's apples to oranges because you can't compare today to then well that is true however Right now it's a massive unemployment, right? Yeah, and so yeah. right now a lot of businesses are struggling. And you look at it from a business aspect, you're looking six to nine months down the road, there's gonna be good businesses that are gonna need capital.
2: For sure. You got it, road.
0: man.
1: Yep. Right? You know, so if you're if you're cash heavy right now and you remain cash heavy, there's gonna probably be real estate opportunities to, to, to um to purchase. There's very, very likely going to be businesses that are gonna need capital. And they're going to have a choice, you know, go out of business or,
2: yeah, you know,
1: yeah, off some of our, uh, some of the ownership, you know, some of the stake here. And so it's just, again, it's understanding how, you know, how the market, it doesn't really matter why, you know, something's being caused. It's just saying, okay, here's what's happening right now. And
2: yeah, I don't know yeah. if you
1: could discredit our reality based off of it's, it's a different cause than it was 13 years ago. I'm not sure yep. if that's the right move to go.
2: Yeah, I
0: feel you man. You mentioned an interesting point too about businesses that might be cash heavy right now. You know, this is something that everyone says cash is king, cash is king, right? And while even in my businesses we're we're not cash heavy, we're cash solid at the sure. moment. You know, I've still started a period even right from the beginning of this man, started reinvesting and doubling down on marketing efforts. Yeah. Right now because there was so much fear that was going on that it's like, well shoot. If I see everybody else freaking out and I'm just going to stay steady, you know, and they might be freaking out for good reason. That's fine. But I saw it as like, you know what, this is an opportunity to gain some market share, Yeah, you know, and I absolutely can do that. So we're just going to dive into that right now. And it's also a time for for me, I also invested into some more R&D for New products and new ways that new different kinds of tech to drive home cybersecurity and continuously lift the value and the expertise that my team has compared to everybody else you know and I, I don't even like comparing because dude I don't even compete on price you know I, i've had during, during these conversations that I've had with clients there have been some that like you know I'm really struggling like Okay, so what are you thinking? Well, I think I'm going to have some other people come in and take a look and see what's going on. I'm like, awesome. And then then they do, which is all good. And then they'll come out like, yeah, you know what? Their price is half of yours. I'm like, cool. You want to go with them? (laughs) And like, well, aren't you going to do that? I'm like, I I don't compete on price. You know, I, I compete on outcomes. And like I was talking about before, it's like, what do you, one specific in my mind is, what are you looking to do? Well, I might be selling in three months. I might be selling later on down the year. That's what I'm looking to do is get out of this. I'm like, cool is this other firm going to sit with you and strategize the technical integration that you're going to need when you're gobbled up by this billion dollar company? You know, you do a hundred million, they do a billion. Are they going to sit with you and strategically plan that so that none of your people steal any data from you? And I, I just went through the whole thing. He's like, oh, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, you know, that's what you get from us, right? He's like, yeah, you, you've been doing that for the past five years, man. I'm like, exactly. That's yeah. the outcome. So if that's what you're looking for, if you're just looking to save a buck right now, or if you're looking to position yourself strategically, those are two different outcomes. And only you can decide what's right for you right now. But my company only fits into one of those scenarios.
1: So you're, you're, you're selling on value. Yeah. Yep. In, the absence of, in the absence of perceived value, the consumer will always shop on price,
2: right? Yeah. So, so yeah.
1: you as a smart businessman, first of all, you have an extraordinary value. That's not all that needs, though. Secondly, you're able to communicate that extraordinary value so that others understand what
2: that value is. Right on.
1: Because it doesn't matter what your value is if others don't understand it, right? You know. You so, got it. And then when you're able to to to, to provide that value, then that then the consumer now has a, a better opportunity to make an educated choice, which might be your product, yeah. it may maybe somebody else's product.
0: Yet, you got it.
1: Now They can make a you know a decision that you know, fits everybody's needs.
0: For sure, my man. And I've always said the comment too, that it there's no there's no point to being the second lowest price in town. You, know? <laughs> right. yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> you, you can be the Walmart, but you legit have to commit and go all into being the Walmart and being the lowest price. Yeah. Otherwise, there's always going to be somebody lower than you. And the only option that you have is to be ultra premium and high value. That, that's it. The, the in-between area means you're just going to struggle the whole time. But if you want to like, you know, if you're looking for the cheapest of the cheap, the $2 ground beef, (laughs) you know, that's Walmart's or if you're looking for the premium, you know, like me, I bought a whole freaking cow, a whole grass fed cow last year. First off, I had no idea how much meat that was. Okay. (laughs) You see Tiger King? Dude, i have yes okay
1: yeah so you know you're, you're eating out the back of the truck of the leftovers from walmart right that's, that's pretty yeah. out.
0: right on i know like <laughs> the grass red you know you got choices dude i guess yeah <laughs> first off, i've never tasted beef as good by the way <laughs> i mean straight from michigan dude just say you know they only raise like 20 cattle a year that's it uh-huh. oh my god dude <laughs> just amazing amazing beef i had to buy a whole new upright freezer just to fit it all you know we're still it's awesome. nine months old i've mean, got another one coming in three months we still have like half the cow left you know (laughs) it's cool though because i can give it away now i'm on a squirrel but whatever that's the same that's the point though right and even that you know it was like 2500 bucks for the whole stinking cow you know versus two dollars a pound for ground beef at walmart but i know that what i'm eating is clean and it's not going to wreck my gut yeah that's the value that i see
1: yeah yeah you you have and you have faith in the product as well
0: you got it. Exactly. I don't have faith in Walmart, man. No. <laughs> you know, I don't even, nobody has faith in them to carry toilet paper anymore either. You know, whatever. <laughs> oh Lord. Dude, I'm enjoying our conversation. You have a book, right? I did. Awesome. Can you tell me about that? Cause I, I just actually saw it on your sheet here. Though. I'm like, Oh, and I see it in the background there too. That's fun. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh,
1: real estate evolution. I, uh, it's a 10 step guide to CPI, which is consistent and predictable income for real estate agents. And I wrote that book starting about two years ago. Previous to that, I had owned a really rather large uh, real estate franchise. Uh, I was a franchisee. And I had, um, you know, it was a large operation. I had that for about 10 years. Yeah. Sold that two years ago. And when I sold it, I, um, you know, I was onto a new journey. And and one of the, the things that I did was I met with a lot of different people that had mentored me through time. And one of my mentors had asked me, Actually, he made it a requirement for him to continue to mentor me uh, for me to document what I had learned through my immense journey of, of real estate sales and business ownership. Oh, and so at first, I thought I was just writing a bunch of ebooks. And then, you know, three months later, I saw no site in in, the, in front of me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I realized, oh my goodness, I'm actually writing a book here and so you know i share with um you know it's for new agents that want to find the right way to be able to sell real estate it's for season agents that want to stop riding that roller coaster of sales and it's for you know the top producing agents that want to be able to scale their businesses so that they can actually enjoy the life that they're uh, that they're creating right yeah, a, yeah you know it's, it's, it's in my business you know a lot of people get into real estate sales don't treat it like a business and yeah, you can have fine. Yep. a great income opportunity yet you can also be working 18 hours a day 365 days a, a year if you if you don't develop the skill set of being able to understand how to hire how to uh, train lead motivate yeah yeah and, and and to work through other people and to create opportunities for them so that they're that that your vehicle your your business is so large that they would never want to leave you. and mm-hmm. so i go through that and, and i go through a lot of my personal journey in the book as well so it's it was, it's been a fun project
0: for sure. That's awesome, man. I, as you're talking about this, you know, because you just described sort of like the three different types of agents or what their, what their outcomes, they want to be their goals, if you will. And I'm curious on your perspective on this, because I've seen real estate, you know, along with a couple of other things in life, you know, even like a Starbucks barista for that matter, (laughs) to where it's the, there's this, everyone knows the phrase side hustle. Yeah. Right. And I have seen agents that are like, you know what, I, I might just try to sell like one home a month or something like that, bring in some extra dollars. And while I can see points to that, you know, it, it's almost like what that person wants to do in their life, you know, because there's some that are thinking, here here's the, the difference in my head. A true side hustle is something that you never intend to be your main hustle.
2: Right. But
0: if you're gonna call it your your side hustle, but that's the thing you really wanna do long term. You're never going to go all in unless you burn the freaking net on whatever job you have right now. This is just my opinion, dude, but I've seen this across the board and dive all in. to what you want to do and what you know you're going to love, you know, which is one of those three types that you just described when it comes to real estate. you know, depending on what, what level they want to be at. But still all, all of those levels are still requiring you to be all in, you know, where's your view on real estate as a side hustle?
1: That, well... As a side hustle, that that when you share with me, Rick, that people will share with you, hey, I'm doing this as a side hustle. Yeah. What I hear is not side hustle. What I hear is, I'm going to have a rope tied to the bank behind me as my boat goes out into the water, and if I don't like the uh, the the temperature of the water, I'm going to pull myself back into shore. Right on. Yep. Right. That's what I. That, I don't necessarily even hear that they're intending to do a side hustle. I hear that that's a setup so that they have a reason to not succeed so then they can go and say, well, you know, it's just a side hustle anyways. And oftentimes, that's to themselves more so than even other people. I'm not saying that they're consciously
0: sharing that. Sure, that's like a sure.
1: subconscious sort of a, a safety valve is, is what
2: yeah. I hear side hustle.
0: Dude, I, I was starting to, like, up inside. I was like... <clears throat> that's great! You know, that's, <laughs> I wanted to just jump around, man, because I'm like, exactly, that's exactly it, dude. You know, if somebody's saying this is my side hustle, and I'm like testing the waters and all that crap. You can't really test the waters unless you're going to dive all into that deep end. You yeah. know, I, I see that a lot of people think that they're going to like start gradually and then move forward. And I see that work, but it's in such a minority of the cases. So I'm not saying that it can't work, you know, yeah. but usually those individuals have a very strategic plan. They have mild milestones laid out that when I hit this, then I'm going down to part-time at my job. When I hit this, then I'm quitting my full-time job because this is my gig right now, you know? So they already have it strategized as this is my thing. That it took me six out.
1: months to transition into this being my thing.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I did
1: that with a strategic plan
0: right on. There's a transition periods are freaking brilliant, man. That's beautiful, you know, but not just like testing the waters and saying, I'm going to have this rope behind me as you so adequately put, dude, just, just so I can pull myself back out of the deep end, just in case, just in case, screw the freaking just in case. No way. There should never be a just in case. You're never going to succeed to the level that you're supposed to have of success in your life. If there's a just in case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Man, you're, you're, you're dead on with that. I mean, you're, you're 100% correct in that. And the the reality of it is, is is in the real estate sales, the challenge that you have is that the lead time to closing is 90 days at best, right? Yeah, so, the yep. actions that I do today that I do after, you know, I've got momentum, I'm working for the end of the year closings right now. Yeah. If I didn't have that momentum and I'm Trying to figure out, like, okay, where's my business coming from? How am I going to do this? You can tack on, you know, in the best case scenario, another sixty days.
2: Yeah, for sure. I got to yep. at least
1: figure it out, and then yep. I got to find some clients, and then I've got to, you know, and then there's a thirty days to market the home, and thirty days to get the contact to close, or thirty yeah. days to work with the buyer, same type of thing. So there's a from the activity to the paycheck is already an embedded, you know, three months in there, right? So it's for like. Sure. How do I get through that three months with no paycheck?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: that's the challenge that you have, and then also there's a misperceived um, uh, thought pattern from from a lot of people that get into real estate sales specifically that it's easy money, that it's a lot of money that maybe they've watched a lot of HGTV shows and
2: they feel
1: and I talk about this in my book, right? They feel as though if it's you know uh, it's going to be an opportunity to make a ton of money, not work hard. And the reality of it is, is that it's the hardest job absent being an Alaskan crab fisherman that you could ever imagine, right? Like <laughs> it's a
0: hard, hard gig. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Dude, the amount of money always matches up to the level of hustle every single time, man. Yeah, it's a, there, there shouldn't be any easy gig. I don't think there is an easy gig. But even those that are like, oh, they make quick money overnight. What was their preparation time to learn everything they needed to know about that? I mean, like day traders, you hear when they're 18, you know, multiple millionaires by the time they're 20, they were freaking educating themselves the whole time before they dove into it and just learning at a faster pace because they devoted more time, more yeah. hustle to do an that. overnight success 20 years in the making. You got it right on. Yep, for sure. And it, that, it's literally just the amount of time. That's a, that comes back to the side hustle, dude. If you're only going to put in ten hours a week to that, you can expect ten hours worth of success. You know, there's that book. What is it? The five-hour work week or the ten-hour? Well, I don't even
2: remember. Four-hour work week. I think. Yeah, that,
0: that's the stupidest crap
2: I've ever heard.
0: You know, <laughs> why why would you want to do that? I mean, I understand the principle and say because if you're talking about automation, you can make things easier. Yeah for yourself, but making it easier. That's almost just like settling. If you're going to say, Hey, it's just a four hour, a four hour work week, you know, because I put in enough time ahead of time. Now I can just coast. Why would you want to coast? You know, why would you want to be lazy? Those people are like, you know, I'm making enough money right now. I'm putting in four hours. That's great. You know, who cares? You are lazy because you're capable of so much more. That's the straight truth, man. Right there.
1: Yeah. I agree with you on a lot of that. I think the 4-hour week I think they're looking at like how can you leverage right so you, you got it yeah it. yeah and I yep. think that's smart right I think it's smart to sit there and say how can I put better systems in place how can I find more qualified people to work with how can I use virtual assistants there's exactly. so many different it's ways. systems and
0: automations it's Yeah and today you know systems.
1: but that doesn't mean that I'm going to then say okay you, you you have to still be the leader of your business yeah. you yeah. still have to be the driver Okay. There's certain things. I was talking to my coach earlier today, and um, I haven't been available to work on one of the projects for the last four or five days so I've been working on a different project. And I was sharing with him. I said, "You know, I asked some of my staff to work on this, and I know that I'm the one that has to do it." Yeah. So yeah. I, I just asked them to sort of work on it because I also knew I wasn't available during that short period of time. So may, you know, maybe they'll figure it out, right? But for sure. I don't actually have an expectation that they will. But, hey, at least they'll get me started, and there's going to be certain things that it's going to require for you to lead. And, and you know, if you just want to take the easy way, it's not going to work.
0: Right on, brother. Right on, brother. I, um, maybe that's it, but, you know, there's a segment on the show called The One Thing, you know, that I try to give. Everyone's challenged to extract who's listening to this on their own, but I always ask my guests to give one thing that they want to leave everyone with, just something like that they can grab onto right now and take with. So what do you have for everyone?
1: So you say the one thing. So there's a book by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan called The One Thing. And in that I didn't even know that, whoa. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) in that, you should check. I'll send it to you, Rick, as a gift, all right? That's
0: awesome, thank you. In
1: that book, they ask what they call the defining question, which is, what's the one thing that you could do right now such that by doing it, everything else becomes either easier or unnecessary?
0: oh my God, that's beautiful.
1: And when you ask that question of the different areas of your life, and then you focus on doing that activity, you'll be able to generate an immense amount of outcome. You go back to the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule, which Pareto was an Italian economist.
2: Yeah,
1: He studied the, the um, he was a um, uh, hired by the Italian government to study the economy. And he did so and he found out that 20% of the landowners had 80% of the wealth. And wow. so when you backtrack that all up, 20% of 20% is five and 20% of that is one. And so when you can really get that down to the smallest activity yeah. that's gonna produce the largest results, then you're gonna be able to have a very impactful life where you're able to get the very best for yourself, to be able to serve others. Um, if it's if it's health, then what's the one thing that such by doing it, everything else becomes either easier or not necessary? Well, for me, it's my, it's my diet. You know, I'm a, I'm a diabetic. I take insulin every day, okay? So when I watch my diet, everything else becomes either easier or unnecessary. Yeah,
2: be yeah. Because I still need insulin, right?
1: But it does become easier.
0: Dude, that's awesome, man. Thank you. You are already have me asking that question to myself right now. Just about 13 different things in my life. I'm already starting to process this. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Where can everyone find you? And where can everyone buy your book too?
1: Sure. Uh, in my book, The Real Estate Evolution, it's the 10-step guide to CPI, consistent predictable income for real estate agents. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Audible. You can, if you're a real estate agent, find it direct at www.the.com realestateevolution.com. and Dude, you can find me all over all over the internet.
0: <laughs> that's cool. Do you have a social handle that we can give everyone?
1: Dan Roshan, and uh, find that out on Facebook. There's a uh, a group that I administer, which is real uh, rock solid real estate agents, and you can find that on Facebook as well. So rock solid real estate agents. Just plug that into Facebook, and you'll find the group. And you can apply to
0: join dude i have loved our conversation today i really appreciate you being on thanks my man hey thanks for going all in with me today subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out rate and review the show if you're listening on itunes follow me on social media at mr rick jordan as always you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes and finally share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Your beard's a little bit more mature than mine is, though. Yeah, no, this is the Corona, the Corona beard. Yeah, there's so much of that going around, you know. I keep everything like like really tight now and yeah. close to the scruff, you know. Look, because it's just it's like the sexy thing to do, right? <laughs> and I and I'm filming i I'm filming a new movie right now, Liberty Lockdown. Okay. and the, it's about government overreach and everything but i show up so the director and the film crew shows up and i fly in separate this was a couple weeks ago and i just walk in right and i i don't know if it was this jacket but it was a blue jacket and i just walk in. oh no it was a it was like a bright white stripe window pane okay. that's what i walked in with man with just a black shirt underneath and i walk in and the person i'm interviewing who is lindsey graham she's been all over the news not senator but all over the news a salon owner that defied the governor's orders okay. and she goes Oh, yeah, he's total LA. <laughs>
2: I'm,
0: like, I'm like, what are you talking I'm Like I'm from freaking Chicago. They're like, no, no I don't think so. I think, you know, the way that you look and dress and everything, I'm like, well, fine, whatever. You fit right in.
2: I know, right? Exactly. So I'll, I'll keep this. I'll keep the scruff going. There you <laughs> go, man.